Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Yuri Nayer from the Awkward Mind podcast. He was born in the Soviet Union and moved to the U.S. when he was 11 years old. He became interested in lighting, design, and technical theater in high school, which he eventually started to study in college. He now has a mission where he wants to help people live to their best potential by improving their minds and with, and with it, their health, wealth, and relationships, which is why he started the Awkward Mind podcast, where every week he has meaningful conversations with real people about things that truly matter. Yuri, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank, thank you, John. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, so how does it feel to end off with a business accelerator program? Uh, feels amazing. <laughs> feels a bit of a relief, but also a little bit like hitting the wall, <laughs> going 60 miles an hour. <laughs> so. Certainly. Brian Rose certainly knows how to challenge you and push your buttons in all the good ways, as I'm sure you know. Yes, he does. He's uh, he's a very tactical person when it comes to pushing you at uh, from going from zero to 60 miles an hour. But a word of advice, just keep going at 60 miles an hour until you drop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's I. that's what I keep hearing. So now I just have to find a pace. Maybe it won't be quite 60 miles an hour, but I think the key there is to find a speed that you're comfortable with so that you can maintain it because consistency is sort of the, the key keystone habit to develop. Yeah, which we are going to be getting into in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, perfectionism is procrastination in disguise. Mm -hmm. I it heard is. this as well. So why don't you talk to us about that statement? Yeah, sure. It's an important one. It blew my mind when uh, Brian Brian said it to us the first week of the Broadcast Yourself course when we were starting our podcast together. And it something clicked in my head because I knew I had a challenge with procrastination because I would always put things off until last minute, possibly because we because we can and we can maybe get into this, but sort of early on in school since uh, moving over to the states things came easy to me in junior high and early on in high school. And so I didn't have to work very hard. So I could always put things off until last minute and just phone in my homework and still get good grades. So I just naturally became a procrastinator. So it was easy for me to do. At the same time, uh, when I do decide to do something, it has to be perfect. And so I will wait and think through things and figure out the best way to do something and figure out exactly what it had to be in the perfect exact way before I even start. And so when Brian put those two statements together in my head by saying perfectionism is procrastination in disguise, I realized I was basically sabotaging myself by trying to figure out in my head the perfect way to do something before actually starting. So it was like a double-edged sword. I was doing both. I was being a perfectionist, which stopped me from 
starting in the first place, but then it also fed my sort of natural desire to procrastinate and wait until last minute. So how did you get out of that? Oh, I know, but let the audience know. (laughs) Well, so there's this guy in London in a three piece suit that after he said that he continued to challenge us and push us. And he basically just said, look, you have to pull the trigger and you have to do it because, uh, not only is action gonna allow you to really figure out and learn what it is you actually are trying to do. And the irony there is you'll actually get to the most perfect, it'll never be perfect, but you'll do your best work when you actually start and start to figure out and start to learn because you can't figure out all of the steps in your head. Eventually you have to pull the trigger. Also, if you have any anxieties or any fears over starting because you're like, well, I might fail. And so I'm not, I'm not going to bother until I have the perfect answer in my head to make sure that I don't fail. Well, that's the recipe for never doing it because there is no such thing as not failing or not making mistakes. You have to, you have to start. And that's what, that's what Brian taught us. And that's, that's what he teaches so well. And he has this funny way of doing it where he doesn't give you the lessons directly. Yeah, he'll push you and challenge you to do specific tasks, but he won't tell you what the bigger lesson is. You have to learn that for yourself. And that's what I love about that whole program. Yeah. Yeah, I think you gain more when you figure out the answers for yourself rather than somebody telling you how to do it. Oh, absolutely, for sure. And I think the biggest lesson out of especially the business accelerator more so because it's a more practical course. Like you actually learn to start a business of your own. The biggest lesson there, which even though he touches on it in the beginning, you don't really realize it until you get to the end. But the thing he's trying to teach you is to adopt that entrepreneur mindset, which is where all of the responsibility is on you. You're no longer an employee. So you don't have safety nets. You have to decide for yourself. So that's why, and we can, we can sort of get into it without really judging people or criticizing them because some, you know, we all come to the course with our own different baggages and different challenges that we try to get through. But it's, it saddens me to see people not learn that lesson, that biggest lesson. And yeah. so they don't make it, not in that, whether you, whether you wind up making money at the end of the course or not, that's not the key. The key is to learn this one big lesson that if you actually want to build a truly independent life that is structured in exactly the way you want, you have to adopt this entrepreneur mindset. And that means extreme ownership, extreme responsibility, you taking full control over your actions and therefore full, uh, full responsibility for the results as well. And so when you start to complain or when you start to make excuses or when you start to look for external reasons for why you're not doing something, you've missed the biggest lesson. And that's what sort of, that saddens me. And yeah, and so unfortunately we've, we've seen some of that. And so maybe we can unpack some of that as we go. Hmm. Maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, um, yeah, I saw that especially over the last couple of weeks. So. Uh, I guess people just want their hands to be held throughout the entire course of their lives, but sometimes you just got to grow up and just take your steps by yourself. But what uh, a true individual in my mean, in my eyes uh, is 
which leads me to my next question. And this will be the only political question that I will ask you. And I'm not going to ask you to pick sides. I don't care what side you're on. It's none of my business. That is your decision. But you grew up in the Soviet Union. Do you see similar patterns here happening right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And I assume by here, you mean here sort of in, in the West and you're in Canada, I'm in the United States and sort of this uh, slow creep towards uh, socialism would be, I think the thing that you're alluding to. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting because for whatever reason, we just don't learn the lessons from history and maybe it's human nature, maybe it in a way ties into what we started talking about is that people want their hands to be held. So it sounds good in theory. It's like, oh, sure, yeah, we should uh, adopt this collective mindset where the government, right, this government is going to provide for our basic necessities. Well, but the reality is governments, regardless of the political structure, that's set up, they don't actually own anything or produce anything, right? So they have to, they have to get it from someone. And so this, this idea that you can just uh, force someone else to provide for you is, I think, misguided at best, right? And it, and it comes from this fixed mindset where we think that, oh, I was born with less than someone else and I am stuck there. But the reality is, the free Western society built around uh, a, a free market uh, capitalism is actually anything but fixed. The classes are extremely fluid. That's why people keep flocking to the United States and to a lesser degree to other Western countries is because of that opportunity, because they know that they don't have to be stuck on the bottom if they just put in the work. Right. And we see that right. Generation after generation, you see a generation come in here with nothing and then their kids are, you know, extremely successful, and uh, and, uh, and uh, have risen to the upper upper middle class, and you know, and even to the one percent. And it's all because of hard work. But the challenge is, there's something in a uh, human nature that, you know, whether it comes from just envy or or jealousy or just you know just inability to accept the fa- accept that personal responsibility fallen lives that makes us go, well, he has more than, than me. And that's not fair. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that life isn't fair. And we're all gonna, yes, other, some people that have more privileges than others. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the biggest privilege that we have in the West is the fact that we have all these opportunities, in spite of the different challenges that that are created. And so, yes, so to sort of wrap up and go back on your question. Yes, growing up in the late you know, Soviet Union, right before the collapse, and then basically start, when I started school is the year that the Soviet Union finally collapsed. And then seeing, uh, so the way I describe it is that, you know, I grew up on the ashes of, of communism and just seeing the rampant corruption <laughs> that sort of spawned from that as a result, as people were grabbing everything they could get their hands on. Basically anything that wasn't tied down is the joke got privatized. And so, yeah, so I think the, this creep towards that is, is disheartening on, on some level to, to see that having basically escaped 
that. But on the other hand, I think that there's just too much free spirit and independence in, especially in American culture, where as much as we see that creep on, on television and in the mainstream, I, I believe that deep down at heart in, in the middle of America, there is that spirit of independence that'll never allow for socialism to take hold. Because as I say, and you know, I've said it in another interview, this socialism and collectivism, those are just nice terms that sound good, but they're actually just a nice, beautiful packaging for another term, which we know as communism. And that's exactly what some people want to achieve because they want absolute power, right? And yeah. that's, what, that's what politics is at its core is it's this struggle for power and the beauty about the American system is it's set up to, to check that power. Well said, uh, well said. Um, I actually am in agreement with you on that one. Uh, but that's the most of the political side that I actually want to touch up on. I just there was a reason for that question, and because something like that could actually help, could could actually push people into depression because of the amount of segregation that happens at that kind of uh, political structure. And now I, I'm I'm in the belief that we're never going to get rid get rid of segregating people from one block to another to another to another it's just in our nature and as hard as we try and as much as i want it to happen to where everybody sees themselves as one person as a brother or a sister rather than oh this color person that color person this race that race it's just not in us i mean we've been doing it for since the beginning of since the dawn of time would you uh, agree with that or disagree? What, what do you think on that? Yeah, what, what I'll say on that is, yeah, absolutely. Whereas humans, we, we tend to be tribal by na nature and it's in our DNA to see something as different as uh, potentially dangerous so we, or something that we don't understand. So we look at it at arm's length. I think that's where I would disagree maybe a little bit is if you look at how Western society has progressed, we've actually made great strides in trying to overcome that. And that's, I think, the other reason why people flock to America is because, yes, it's not perfect. And yes, we still have many challenges, but we've actually gone a long way to blur and eliminate those divides and where it is really a meritocracy, where we are looking at individuals based on merit and not based on their backgrounds or their gender or their sexual orientation or the color of their skin and anything like that and really try to uh, let people progress in society based on the work they put in and again i just want to emphasize yes it's not perfect other challenges other other racists other bigots yes of course and they always will be in 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 his history because it's human nature we we're gonna produce some of some of that as well, and we just need to highlight it and and mock it and keep progressing forward. So I think yes, I I agree in that we'll probably never reach that utopia because again, this I, I think it's unrealistic to try. That's I think that's what the communists in disguise 
try try to do is they try to reach for this utopia and it sounds good on paper. It just hasn't ever worked because it goes against human nature because you're trying to engineer human beings to act in a way that they won't. You're trying to take away their individuality. And so you're actually going to have the opposite effect because you can have a lot of resentment and also the biggest irony, and that's the last thing I'll say sort of on your, on your last question, is in a, trying to achieve equality, well, you will achieve it in that everyone will be equally poor except for the very few at the very top, which will be extremely rich. And you see that time and time again in history. When social engineering has been tried, that's the result. And eventually it fails. And so if we want to try that experiment again, okay. Yeah, I don't want to see that experiment happen again, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So switching gears back to where I wanted this topic to be going to. What is the social media detox course that you created? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So what I realized when I first started the podcast, and maybe maybe we start there just to give you a little background because it'll make more more sense that way, is I was trying to have conversation these nuanced conversations kind of like the conversation that we started with right because yeah even though it's a political question i think it's a fair question and it's not really divisive it's just trying to get at the nuance of these different uh options that we as human beings you know have in front of us that we can decide how we structure our society that's really what what the debate is and we can have that nuanced debate and i was trying to have it on social media on facebook and i was getting really frustrated because it was becoming overly political and people were just going to their respective corners and attacking each other with these dogmatic you know, statements. They've just dug into their position and they were not willing to have a nuanced conversation. And there's only so many of these conversations that you have that you try to bring nuance and really dig at the core of the issues because I do believe that deep down, there's a lot more that unites us than divides us. But because it's, convenient for the powers that be to see us divide us divided and see us fight each other the so-called divide and rule they will fuel you know they will just put fuel on the fire of division and you know and highlight the things that divide us rather than looking at the majority of the things that unite us as human beings and so you know there's only so many of these conversations that you're going to try to have on social media before it gets hijacked and by the third time I'm having a fight over masks rather than talking about the things that really matter, you know, I said, okay, enough. And so I started the podcast where I could have these nuanced conversations one-on-one and start to really dig deeper into the, the core issues of mindset and just development and taking personal responsibility for our lives and things that really matter. And then, but then I realized building on on that building on those conversations i realized well what is the core thing that's stopping people from really changing the mindset and i realized it was all of the negative noise that was surrounding us that was filling our mind with garbage and so the, and that's where the idea for the social media detox course came from because i realized if we can transform our relationship with social media because whether we like it or not social media is not going away Maybe it won't be Facebook tomorrow. Maybe it'll be another company, but the technology has progressed so far that it's not going away. It's going to be the way of communication moving forward. 
whether we like it or not. And so we need to embrace it. But the thing that I realized is at its core, it's just a tool. And so social media is a reflection of us. And that might be hard to accept, right? It's, it's very easy to blame Facebook. And we can, again, without getting political and without going down the conspiracy rabbit holes, we can, you know, let's leave the censorship and all the nonsense aside. There's some challenges there. And we can, that may be a different conversation for a different podcast. But at its core, it's still a tool that's a reflection of what we put into it. And that's what I realized. And when I started having these positive conversations first on the podcast, I was then actually able to take those conversations back onto social media. And what I started to notice is my network actually started to transform. And I was no longer getting that neg- fed that negative noise. And so I went from mindless scrolling to intentional engagement. And I started to build those positive connections on social media. And so that's why I created the social media detox course to help others go through that transformation. Because I do believe that social media is a tool, it's here to stay. And so we better learn to use it rather than letting it use us. Yeah, well said. Um, I still got to get on that course. It's just too many courses. Yeah, I hear you. Well, we're, we still have the, the deal going for a little while longer. So it's, it's normally 99 bucks, but I'm still offering it for 27 for anyone that's interested. Okay. And uh, I have looked at it and it looks amazing and I'm, I am going to get into it. I highly recommend you guys get onto it as well, because uh, if you know anything about me in my life, it's just fucking crazy and it's just insane. So and when it comes to social media, it's just, there's no more time left for the day for me to be on social media to, you know, engage with everybody out there. And I know that's part of the whole program with you is that you actually help people say, okay, uh, this is how, you would, I would do it. And it's actually pretty good. It's just right now. It's just, my life is just a mess. Well, that's exactly, that's exactly why you need, you need the course to put, to put your life back together and have a, a more meaningful, engaging uh, relationship with social media. Yeah. So, so thank you for that, John. Yeah, no problem. Uh, what does personal responsibility mean to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Now I think that I've lived with it, truly lived with it, thanks to Brian Rose for the last uh, three months. It, it's just those two words now. But I think if we dig deeper, it's really realizing that at the end of the day, no one is coming to save you. And so anything you want to achieve in this life, anything you want to be, it's up to you. There is no safety net, or you shouldn't assume that there's a safety net, right? Because I've seen a lot of debate in the, in the States and across the world, but especially in the States and especially in my little community in the industry that I come from, because it got decimated by, by the lockdowns of, oh, woe is me, and someone needs to come save me, and the government owes me this, you know, and that's you know, that's that victim victim mentality, which I do understand, right? When your system is shocked and it, you know, it comes at you out of the blue where the career that you maybe put 20 years into all of a sudden has been, you know, the rug has been pulled out from under your feet and now you, you don't know what the future holds. But it comes from the argument I would make 
the fact that you did not take personal responsibility for your life to begin with. Because at the end of the day, nothing is fixed. And yes, sure, we wish that we can just go through life and do the same thing for 80 years and be perfectly happy in a single career. But we've seen, especially with the advance of technology, that's, that's just not real anymore. That's just not the world we live in anymore. We've gone way past the industrial age now. We're at least 20 years into the information age now. So I think anyone that uh, feels like a victim because of the current situation going on in the world, I think at the end of the day, they're just simply not taking personal responsibility for their, for their life. And so that's, that's what it means to me. And it, and it doesn't come from a, a judgment place because all of the things I'm saying, I reflect, first of all, on myself because I can't say that I get this perfectly right and that I have fully taken personal responsibility for my life. I have, I have in my mind, I haven't necessarily always taken the exact correct action to actually move myself for, forward, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, is there a series of steps that you use to, one, identify these areas that need more responsibility and two, action steps that you would use in order to get to that? Well, I think it it's maybe almost like a, what is it, a 12-step program or whatever. I don't know. I don't think it's that many steps, but uh, I, I think the biggest, or maybe it's actually, maybe it's just like the five stages of grief, something like that. Maybe that would be a better analogy, right? The, the first thing is you have to accept the fact that you've fallen short. And so that would be that would be the first place is realizing that oh well no one is coming to save me so what is it that i need to do in my own life and what do, what do i want to improve so the first thing would be asking is like who are you really and what do you want that's like a great self help book title but it's also a great place to start is figuring because at the end of the day you might be perfectly happy with what you have but you have to realize do you have that safety cushion that if the world around you was to all of a sudden drastically change as we've seen happen in the last six months. Are you prepared for that? Are you, are you set up where you can weather the storm? Because the reality is again, to go back to what we talked about earlier, if you look at history, nothing is fixed in this world. And we, we all at least once most, most generations at least once in their lifetime will go through a drastic event like the event we're going through now. It's just, we're experiencing it obviously most personally because it's happening to us. So when we go back and look at history, we're like, oh, well, that's not going to happen to us. So it wasn't that bad. But the reality is if you look, if you look back even a hundred years, they had it way tougher than, than we, than the majority, well, I'm not going to say the majority, but the, but a vast amount of people on earth today have it way better than humanity did even as recently as a hundred years ago. And so that would be the first thing is to realize, am I actually where I want to be in life? And if not, where, where is it that I'm going, right? What do I want? And then what am I going to do to get there? And then start working on those areas, right? And it could be as simple as that's how it started for me is I just ad adopted a, a daily routine that started in the morning that allowed me to create the foundation for the rest of my day. And then little by little, I just started filling in those gaps of like, okay, what did I not know 
about the financial system. Like that would be a good example for me, for me personally, because a lot of things that happened in March took me by surprise, even though I had, I thought I had it pretty well figured out. And, you know, when, when your portfolio, you know, drops by 50% in, in a week, you realize that maybe you don't have it all figured out. And so that would be a giant wake up call to say, okay, there's, there's more that I need to learn in that area. So figuring out, so identifying those areas that you might, you might not know as much as you think you do, and then starting to fill in those gaps and also realizing that it's not going to happen overnight. There is no magic bullet, right? There is no magic pill. And I know, and I sort of, at this point have talked to so many of my guests about this, that, you know, I just feel like a broken record, but that's the reality. And I think that'll just be the theme that'll keep coming back and coming back. And if, you know, if we can just get one person to realize that I'll, I'll be, I think I'll be pretty happy that all of this stuff takes work. There is no, there is no instant magic pill that'll cure the symptoms. You have to look at the root cause and chances are when it comes to personal responsibility, right? It's, it's right there in the phrase personal. So you got to look inside and have a really serious conversation with yourself and look in the mirror and realize, okay, these are the things that I'm deficient, right? Deficient in. And if you're not showing up in your own life, the way you want to show up, stop blaming other people and stop blaming external circumstances. And as Jocko Wilnick says, just take extreme ownership of your own life and 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 go from there. So I know I sort of went a, a little bit in circles, but I can't emphasize it enough that you, you know, you have to, at the end of the day, look, look at yourself first. No, I think you said it perfectly. I think you said it perfectly. And you have to take, you have to uh, own up to your actions and inactions and uh, just evaluate yourself, no matter how hard it is. Um, is responsibility and accountability the same thing to you? Hmm. That's a good question. Well, if it comes to personal responsibility, then I think they're slightly different, but I think they go hand in hand because responsibility would be taking ownership for your life and for your actions. And accountability would actually be that external factor, but it would be a positive external factor. It's actually creating a system that will get you to go through and perform the actions necessary, right? So if you're accountable to someone else, so if you're accountable to even, right, if you're accountable to yourself, although depending on, depending on your personality and how you have it set up, where we, and we've seen this with London Real, right? You actually do need that external accountability factor to get you to keep going. So you have to figure out what works, what works for you. And so it can be, it can be the same, I guess you can say, if you are the type of person that is hardest on yourself, which in many ways I am, then you have that internal accountability almost to yourself, but that but that can be challenging to maintain. So, and I, I can go into in a minute of, of, of how I sort of help myself stay accountable to myself. But if you're the type of person that doesn't have that internal accountability sort of coach or I don't know, buddy or checklist, then you need to find an external accountability 
factor, whether that's a mentor or just a, a friend that you're going to run with, that you're going to check in with, that's going to hold you accountable for the, for the actions, right? Someone you share your goals with and check in on a periodic basis. I know Jen, you, you and I have set something like that up with a small little team that came out of London Real. So that would be, that would be one way to do it. And that's, I think, different from responsibility because responsibility is at the end of the day, you showing up and you doing the work. Accountability is what's going to motivate you or help you do it, right? And so, so for me, right, to just touch on, on that point of how do I do it? Because we, showing up and doing the work every day can, can be a challenge, right? You need to, you need to have a, a really strong, first of all, you have to have a really strong reason as to why you're doing it. And then you have to hold yourself accountable. So how do, how do I do it? Well, sometimes looking in the mirror isn't enough. So the way I do it is I, without them knowing it, I, I recruit accountability partners and I do that with my vlogs. So when I have a goal, I will announce it publicly. And now I don't have a choice, but to go through with it because now I have, you know, a thousand plus people looking at it right and i've told them that i'm going to do something and so now i don't now i basically created an impossible situation for myself where i am forced to do the things that i should be doing in the first place and so that's how that's how i go about doing it so how important is uh how important do you find that staying consistent really is Oh, it's, it's huge. It's everything. It's actually something because the London, the London real experience has been so intense. It's actually the thing that I'm struggling with a little bit this week, which is why some of my vlogs have been on this topic. I know people and I appreciate it. People get, get motivated by my little awkward minutes that I put out on Facebook every day, but sometimes they're the things that I need, I myself need to hear. Right. And so consistency was one of the topics that came up recently. And the idea that once you've uh, reached a certain milestone on your success journey, well, you have to look to the next milestone and keep going. So consistency is everything. And I think that's why I really, I understood it rationally, but I haven't really fully appreciated it because we jumped, you know, I jumped right from broadcast yourself from the podcasting course, right into the business accelerator. But the thing that, you know, Kia said to us at the end of that first course is you have to keep going and you have to find the pace that works for you. So consistency is everything. And that's, so that's the key, but I think some, sometimes, and we see this a lot and you can probably actually appreciate and understand this a lot better is when people start a new workout routine or they set a weight loss goal, they, go at it so hard, right? They join the gym and for the first two weeks, they just gun ho and they're going hard at it. But what they haven't realized is that motivation eventually is going to die down. And so you have to have a bigger reason to do it. And you also have to have a reasonable schedule that fits into your life because there's only so much willpower that we have. And if you haven't set up a routine where you can consistently make progress, you're going to fail. So consistency is super important, but it also has to be reasonable. It's much better to make slow, even really slow, but steady progress than to try to achieve your goal super fast only to hit a wall and burn out. Yeah. Uh, 
I'd say about 80% of my clientele in the past is still working out today. So, and that's because I've taken it slow with them at the beginning and you said it really good. So is this what you would recommend for people to stay consistent with doing things? Yes, absolutely. Find, find a route. Find a routine that works for you that you can fit into your life. That's why also the same thing with changes when for most people, they can't write like with even with things like addictions with, you know, to quit smoke, you know, other stuff. Most people can't do it cold turkey. So it's, it's the same for building new routines. You have to find something that works for you and start to go at it little, little by little. And, and just build that into your life in a way that you can be consistent and also make sure you have a very clear why, a very clear understanding of why you're doing it. Because it might, the truth is, and you have to be honest with yourself, it might be a good idea, right? You might, yeah, sure, because someone else has this lifestyle, you might say, well, yeah, that's, that's cool, that sounds good, I want it, but do you, do you really want it? And if you do, then that'll be, th- that'll be the motivation to drive you when you don't have the energy to keep going. So if someone falls, you know, if they, they, they fall off the routines, they fall off everything, how would you recommend that they get back on the wagon? Right. So I think the, the key there is not to be hard on yourself and to pick back up as soon as possible. Because sometimes when we, when we break our routine, we might feel embarrassed or disappointed or we start to like be even maybe angry with ourselves. And I think that's exactly the wrong way to approach it. The, the key there is to realize that we're not perfect and we're not gonna get it 100% right, right? We talked about this in the beginning. So the key there is to just take that next step, whatever that next step was supposed to be as soon as possible. And that's where I think accountability comes back into play because if you have someone that you are being, that's helping you stay accountable, it's going to be a lot harder for you to fall off. And it's also going to be someone that'll motivate you to keep going if you stumble. Right. Um, Through our many, 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 many talks, with London Real and like even after, uh, you've mentioned something. Uh, your mind is the most valuable real estate in the world. What do you mean by that? Yeah, no, I, I truly believe that because uh, at the end of the day, and again, I think it maybe partially goes back to that idea of personal responsibility, but also the fact that that's the best tool we have because we haven't, even as humans, we haven't really figured out just how much power is in those nine inches between our ears. And so that's why I truly believe that, right? Because real estate, and that's why I like this analogy, is this sort of valued, uh, trusted, you know, investment that has sort of worked through the years, right? If you if you own a piece of real estate, no one can take it away from you and you can develop it and you can do different things with it. Well, what I realized is actually the the most important real estate that we can develop for ourselves is our mind. And so that's where, that's where that analogy came from. Because if you develop your mind, then you can pretty much do anything. How would you go about improving your mental, your, your mind? 
stop putting in garbage and <laughs> that would be step one and then start putting in actual positive inspirational educational material because really at the end of the day all all the mind is is a supercomputer and so but as a computer it's something you can and maybe this is like technical and nerdy but it's something that can be reprogrammed and most people don't realize that and so that's what that's that's how i would do it awesome do you personally use any mental exercises not specific mental exercises but i a long time ago stopped watching the news and now i listen to podcasts and educational books on tape and i read every day so so if you could throw out a tip to everybody out there to help improve their own mindset what would that be Yeah, I think it would go back to, to that. Step one is stop putting in garbage, <laughs> right? The world is not going to stop spinning if you stop watching the news every day, right? Because most of the stuff that's being passed off as news today is just sensational nonsense that's meant to get you outraged and get you upset and get you thinking about stuff that at the end of the day is going to have absolutely zero impact on your life. And I've, and I've had this uh, sort of conversation with someone when I, when I brought this point up and they're like, well, but do you mean like I, but I have to stay informed. I have to understand what's going on in the world. And I was like, well, well, you can do that with a daily digest where you can set up an RSS feed of actual news of actual events that matter. And you can go through that in about five minutes and be informed. You don't need to watch the garbage you know, on a 24 hour loop, which is how it's set up because the whole point they have, they have one job and that's the same challenge with social media. They have only one job. They, they need you to watch so they can show you the advertisements. That's it. And so you have to, you have to remember that, especially in an election year in the United States, the whole job is to get you outraged and get you to keep watching. Do you think if people stop watching the news will actually change? The people will change, do you mean? The news, the, the, the news, oh. um, the media, the media people, do you think they, that they will eventually have to change? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there are people that are saying, and I'm no expert at this, but there are people that are saying it's already changing. They're already sort of struggling because there's alternative media that's now actually trying to have these nuanced, serious conversations and really look at the issues that we're facing. As, as human beings, rather than trying to have this sensational news cycle that's, you know, designed for in, for whatever reason, right, is designed to just divide us and outrage us. And so, yeah, I think it's already changing. And yes, at the end of the day, dollars, you know, are going to determine it. So I think eventually when the dollars are not there, they're going to have no choice but to change. Cool. What are Keystone habits? Hmm. Yeah. So they're, to me, they're the seemingly small things that actually create the foundation for your life. So one example for me would be getting up in the morning and the first thing, making my bed. 
because it's one small accomplishment that I can just check off. And it's a trigger in my mind that says, okay, I'm on my way to accomplishing something today. Right. For me, another, another keystone habit is uh, walking every day because I, I realize that exercise in whatever shape it takes for you is, is super important because our mind and our bodies are intricately interconnected. And I think a lot of times we, we forget that unless you're really into fitness, right? So that's, that's super important as a, as a habit as well for me. So it's anything that's going to create, and it's going to be slightly different for, for different people, but it comes down to, some people call it the morning routine. So that whatever that means to you, a keystone habit is that foundational habit or set of habits that sets you up for a successful day. And it's important to find what that is for you. Did you pick these up from Dr. Peterson? Like no, I know your, he talks, him. <laughs> yeah, talks about ahead. it, like uh, making your bed, creating a, po- a, a good positive morning routine. Cause he does talk about like doing that. Did, is that where you picked it up from or? I've, I've heard him say the making the bed thing, everything else is sort of mishmash of different people you find that's the other thing that I realized and I guess to go back to the podcast a little bit one of the reasons and one of the things I realized and why I wanted to talk about the mindset is I realized success principles are actually quite simple and universal and have been known for ages we just keep forgetting them for for one reason or, or another and so we have to keep repackaging them in different people like Jordan Peterson and others, they just keep saying it in their own words, hoping that it'll click for a few people, but they're actually quite simple and have been understood, right? If you go back to the ancient Greeks and Romans, they've already figured it all out. We just, as humans, for some reason, are stubborn and just keep needing to learn the same lessons over and over again. A lot of it has been lost too. A lot of ancient texts have been lost because of this and because of that and because of anyways it's uh that's a different podcast all in itself yep uh so what are okay other than the morning routines what are some other keystone habits a person can in could implement in their daily lives or maybe this could be at the at the end of the day uh at the end of the day that would help improve their lives and how could that potentially improve their life in general? Hmm. Good question. So I think because I talk about once you improve your mindset, then you can improve your health, your wealth and your relationship. Those are the three pillars, if you will, of sort of what I think you can, uh, you can achieve by improving your mindset. So the keystone habits should really speak to those three areas, right? So we've sort of, we've touched on, on fitness a little bit, right? We've touched on health and you can expand on that on really looking at your diet because I know in the last six months, we've talked about this COVID, COVID-19, but also COVID-19 being meaning that, you know, people have put on 19 extra pounds right? More. Yes, exactly. More. Yeah. More. And I don't want to, I, I totally get it. And it's, you know, I'm not trying to judge anyone, but the reality is if you set up 
the right habits and adapt. And I realized it all stemmed from the right mindset that you can actually go in reverse. So for me in the last six months, I've actually lost those 19 plus pounds. And it's simply because I've changed the mindset and I've changed my routines, right? So I walk every single day and I also watch what I eat. So I cut out all of the crap and all the processed nonsense and also just the amount of food. That's that's the single biggest step. And that's what I actually, John, I appreciated about your three pillars of fitness is because you're the first personal trainer that I've heard that was actually honest about the percentage of nutrition versus exercise when it comes to your personal health and your fitness levels, right? Because most, most personal trainers, and I understand why, but I think there's, and in society in general, we, it seems like we overstress the importance of exercise and physical training, and we don't stress nutrition enough. When the reality is, like, I have a six-pack now, and I'm not bragging about it, but it wasn't from going to the gym every day. It was from the fact that I lost all the fat off my body, and the six-pack was already there. Well, I actually joke with uh, with all my clients that when I first get them is and then when they tell me I want a six pack, I'm like, well, you have a six pack. You just have a thick layer of fat that's on top of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're right. Um, the reason why I said that was because there is this huge misconception, one of the many misconceptions in the personal training industry that the 60-40 split where it's 60% nutrition and 40% exercise, it's completely wrong. But because they need to sell personal training because that's their big ticket, I understand, but there are other ways about going selling personal training. It's just, again, like you said, there's there has to be a mind shift, a, a, mind, a mind shift change, especially in the personal especially when it comes to personal training. Like, trust me, I can sell a person on personal training like in an instant without going into the 60-40 garbage. It's not hard. But um, why would somebody use the keystone habits? I think we kind of touched up on that question, but I, want, I would like for you to elaborate a little bit, up, a little bit more on that. Yeah, because it'll give you... Well, first of all, it'll give you a feeling of accomplishment. That's that's the most important thing. It'll also create that routine and give you the foundation of that. We can go back to consistency. So you know those are the, the things that are you're going to hit every day or whatever the routine might be. And so that's why it's super important because, again, just to reemphasize what we've said, is it's that, and that's why it's the keystone habit is because they are the foundation for everything else that you do, right? So if somebody is suffering from depression because of this, we're going to touch up a little bit differently later on. But if someone's suffering from depression because this whole COVID, their entire routine is thrown off, everything is inside and out and backwards, step by step, could you walk us through something that they could do right now to at least start feeling a little bit more better about them being in their own skin. Yeah, I think uh, first thing, realize that it will, it this will end. This is temporary. So 
take a deep breath and realize you're not also realize you're not the only one that's going through it then little by little you have to but at the same time you have to start taking personal responsibility so you have to be willing to start changing and creating a different routine so i would say step 1 would be get a good night's sleep get up make your bed and then go for a nice long walk outside so i ideally and i understand that there may be some some challenges there although at this point everyone should be able to do this i believe is really go for a nice long walk outside and find an area where you can see the beauty in things around you and that may be challenging when you're depressed and that's why but that's why it's super that's actually probably the most important thing and the most important step is you have to change your environment even even temporary right so cool. that's that's mm-hmm. super important cool keep going if you if you had more keep going sorry i was no it's great and the the other thing then to look at is uh and it's it's going to be challenging right it goes back to the sort of the covid 20 plus or whatever it is that people have put on is you start changing your diet because what you put in your body determines how you feel and it has a huge effect on your mind we know that now so that's super important and the way to do that again is you have to change your environment so because you're not going to have if you have you know ice cream and ho-hos and whatever all the things that make you feel good in your house you're not going to have the willpower to not go for that stuff so realize that and so stop being hard on yourself and just change the environment just get rid of all that stuff right just trash it don't even don't even bring it into the house and then you won't be tempted because that's and it's sort of my recent discovery in the last month is right now my favorite book is uh, Willpower Doesn't Work by Benjamin Hardy. Wait, that's what he talks about. That's the core thesis of that book is that if you have a negative environment that's constantly pushing you to act a certain way, no amount of willpower is going to help you overcome that negative environment. So what you have to do is change the environment. So take a step back and really look around and the things that you want to change, start changing little by little. Cool. I know one person actually says um, you are the average of the five people that you hang around with, Mm. which pretty much falls into changing your environment kind of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, that's part of your environment as well. Are the people you're surrounded with because they determine first of all, your mindset. Yep. How important is mentorship? it's everything. And I think people have a a misconception about what it, what it means on the one hand. And on the other hand, I think they're not humble enough. And especially it's something actually I talked about recently with, with a a guest of mine is that we are for men, especially we're just stubborn. And so we're not willing to humble ourselves and be vulnerable enough to actually take coaching and take advice from someone else because to build that relationship with a mentor, you have to be completely honest with them and really vulnerable because that's the only way they can help you. Because if you bullshit them, then they are only going to respond to what you tell them. And so if what you tell them isn't honest, they can't help you. But 
the the other thing to realize is yes, that is the best the best way is to actually build that relationship one on one with someone, but there are other ways to do it, and we've sort of touched on it in in many different ways today, and that's through books. So ninety nine percent of my mentors, I have never met and will never meet. In fact, some of them are not even alive anymore. So you so, can actually get great mentorship just by reading books. No, that's true. That's true. One of my favorite books is uh, "How to How to Win Friends and Influence People" by Dale Carnegie. One yeah. of my favorite books. Changed I love my, that book. Literally changed my life. Oh yeah, that book saved my 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 butt in high school. <laughs> saved I my teach a, Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, I I I teach in high school that I butted heads with saw that you know i was this arrogant overconfident you know know it all 16 year old and he gave me that book and it literally changed my life and i still i'm still learning the lessons from that book but it definitely pulled me out of trouble <laughs> yeah yeah i know it, that that book actually saved my career as a personal trainer changed the whole way I looked at everything. But other than books, what other tools would you use to get a mentor? And I know getting a mentor today will cost people a lot of money. Is there a cheaper way to do it? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, yes but you have to be willing to bring more to the table than what you expect to get out of it. So if you're willing to, and you have to, and this is going to take some work and I can't say that I've gotten this perfectly. Although I do have a, a mentor that amazingly keeps working with me, even though I bring almost no value at this point to the table, <laughs> both literally and figuratively. But, um, and that's just because of the relationship and the trust we've built up. So I'm really appreciative of that. But I think just being willing to be completely vulnerable and seeing how you can help them and just keep knocking on doors. But yes, the alternative is just hire, hire coaches that have really done and succeeded at the things you want to succeed at. And yes, like you said, that's going to cost money. But I find if you really understand what you want, and you find the right coaches, the money more than makes up for it. So basically email, 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 email until somebody eventually says yes. Yeah. All on social media. Interesting. Or ironically, if, if you want, although it, it has a negative stigma, but there are actually great uh, network marketing companies that have amazing mentorship programs attached to them. So that, that would be another way is you sort of learn a little bit of business and marketing, but then you also get uh, mentorship and coaching and self-development as part of it. So yeah. that, that would be a cheaper way to do it. Cool. Do you have a mentor? I think you kind of answered that. I've, yeah. I mean, technically I have several depending on how you, how you look at it. Cause I consider like, for example, I consider Brian Rose a mentor, right? Just because of the courses that he's taken me through <laughs> and uh, yes, and then my my mentor, who actually was, I was honored enough to have him as a as a guest on on one of the podcast episodes. 
His name is Mike Thomas out of Arizona. He's amazing. He's a former military guy who retired when he was uh, 29. So he's been financially independent for over, I think he's 20 years, close to 20 years now. And he's teaching others how to do it. So he's been, wow. so he's been an amazing mentor to me. Wow. That's, that's really good. So, um, these are the seven questions, six or seven questions that I ask all my guests um, at the end of the show. And it's just a, just a, you know, trying to get your understanding of, you know, your point of view on stuff. Uh, we kind of touched up on it. We kind of touched up on this next question, but I would really like it if we could touch up on it again. Because I think this is super important, especially in today's, what we're going through today. So with the increase in people suffering from depression from the lockdown, what's the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? It gets better. <laughs> cool. That, that's, that's good. <laughs> uh, where do you see yourself? Where do you see uh, the Awkward Mind podcast in the next five years? So it's it's interesting. It's a it's a great question. It's actually a question I love to ask my guests as well, to put them on the spot. And w recently, I've heard that actually, uh, Tim Ferriss and others have adapted this idea. They actually, rather than thinking in five year or long term goals, they think in terms of six month experiments. And I really like that idea. So they look at a project and they work on it for six months because they don't really you don't really know what opportunities are going to come up, right? Like six months ago when this pandemic started, I had no idea that I would be, you know, sitting on a Zoom call with a personal trainer out of Toronto recording a podcast episode with both of us having published over 20 episodes at this point, right, of, of various interviews. So I had no idea, right? So I jumped in head first. So right now I'm sort of in the middle, I would say, of that first six-month phase of that experiment. So I can tell you, but it would sort of be almost wishful thinking or an ideal of what I'd like to see. Wishful and, thinking. You dropped it on me when I came on your podcast. Yeah, I sure, I sure <laughs> did. So what I would say where I would like to see it in a, in a general sense is I'd like to see it impacting thousands of people, right? Because the whole point of the podcast is to make you realize that you are in control of your life and all you have to do is adopt and improve your mindset and then anything else is possible after that. That's the sort of the hidden underlying purpose of all these, of all these conversations because I know they are on some level entertaining and they're educational and they're inspiring, but that's the key is that someone will get inspired to realize, wait, I'm in control of my life. And so in five years, I hope that that number of someone's is in the tens of thousands. Cool. And in six months, you're, you said you're in the middle of an experiment. Yeah. So in six months, I want to have a hundred, a hundred episodes published. So I just published episode, I think 2022, episode 23, like we're recording this on a Saturday. So episode 23 comes out tomorrow. And so by the time this is published, it'll probably be already out and I have one more already recorded. So I have about 75 to go in the next six months. 
You'll get there. You'll get there. I'm doing one mini so one mini cast per day now. That's interesting. Yeah. No, it's amazing. I've been enjoying it because it's a great actually insight into your life. So it's it's been awesome. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what about you personally? Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a scary one to put out there, but that's it's what I want. It's what I realized about a year ago that I want. So yeah, I'm married with kids. There's awesome. you know a few steps in between there, as I as I've said recently on another podcast, but we'll we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, that's always a funny one. Um, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, that's an easy one. Stop being an asshole. It's <laughs> oh, awesome. Looking back, would you change anything? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm not one to really dwell on the past, although like everyone else, sometimes, you know, something pops into your mind from 20 years ago and it's like, I can't believe I did that, right? We 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 all go through that, but I try to in general not dwell on the past or think about, oh, what would I have done differently other than the lessons I've actually realized it's something I need to improve on and not necessarily dwell, but I need to be more aware of reflecting as, as I've sort of accomplished something, I've gone through a phase in life. I need to really reflect and be better at extracting lessons from things rather than just kind of mindlessly going through life. And those, that's one, one of the lessons I actually sort of re- realized I got out of London real without even realizing it now that I'm talking about it. But so, but the simple answer to that is no, because I wouldn't change anything because I wouldn't be where I am today if I changed anything. And I don't know where that somewhere be, would be, right, if I changed something. Because it's always easy to say, oh, I wish, you know, if I did that, then this would happen. But we never actually know. It's actually funny. Something my uh, my dad always talks about this. My great aunt used to say, because you'd look, you know, this phrase of, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. In Russian, we say it's like, oh, things are better somewhere else. And and she would always say, no, don't worry. Things suck there too. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That is so true. Uh, yeah, that, that that just blew me away because uh, it reminded me of something else too. It's just crazy. Um, the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah, until you get there. I think somebody said it, I think on the business accelerator program, uh, just take care of your own lawn first before you get there. So Yeah, that's a great point. Exactly. Uh, what keeps you up at night? Well, <laughs> the last week <laughs> was uh, giving my webinars, but <laughs> which I know is, uh, people are going to get lost, but it's true. It's the first time that I felt anxious for, for two days in a row, this idea of actually getting up in public, but in a digital form and actually getting on a Zoom call with a bunch of other people and sharing an idea and sharing this baby with the world, right? Which was the social media detox course, which I had birthed thanks to London Real. And so that that kept me up at night for, you know, a couple of days. But other than that, honestly, now, not not much. I 
you know, I, I go full out during the day. So by the time I, I hit the pillow, I sleep pretty well. Yeah, me too. Sometimes I'm dizzy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where can people find more about you? Yeah, the, the best places would be on social media. So it's uh, Urinair Live on Instagram or just Urinair on Facebook. And then, of course, the Awkward Mind podcast. If you want to hear more of you know, these meaningful, inspiring conversations with the amazing guests I've had so far, and that's available on all major platforms, including as of yesterday, I got an email. Amazon is also jumping on the podcasting bandwagon, so you can now get it on Amazon Music as well. And as far as the course, we've touched on it, but if you just go to awkwardmind.com, then all of the information is there. And for everybody out there listening, I'm going to be posting all the social media links in inside the notes of this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. So take, uh, take a few minutes, take an hour, take two hours, just listen to the podcast. They're really good. I'm on there. So that should give you guys a reason to get there. Um, and uh, he's got a lot of really interesting guests on there. I know I'm going through some of them too. It's really good. Really, really good. Uh, Yuri does a lot, really good job there. Uh, any final thoughts? Hmm. Yeah, I'll sort of go back to my theater roots, I think. I, had a, I was sort of nerdy in, in high school and through college and was, I mean, let's be honest, I'm still a nerd, but I would collect all these sort of witty, sarcastic t-shirts. And one of them said, go for it. Life is not a dress rehearsal. So I think I would, I would leave you with that. Stop, stop thinking that you have a second chance. Good point. Good point. Very good point. Well, Yuri, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, John. It was a real honor. So I really appreciate you taking the time and for having me. And I appreciate you for having all this amazing content that you're pushing out with uh, the Awkward Mind podcast, your social media stuff, your your new your your new product that the uh, social media detox. It's it's all good stuff. It's, uh, it's all great stuff, and it's, I know it can help a lot of people out there. So thank you for all that. Uh, going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or a good night wherever you may be in this crazy world.